The following is a Westminster Seminary, California morning devotion given by Dr. Stephen Baugh. For more information about this message or about Westminster Seminary, California, visit us online, wscal.edu, or call 888-480-8474. Online, wscal.edu, or call 888-480-8474. Let's pray. Our fathers, we... uh pause in our work today to reflect upon your word. Would you please uh, direct our attention to you and to the truths and the marvelous grace that you display in your word. Be uh, blessed by our efforts this morning to uh, open your word and to meditate upon its riches and grant us your peace and blessing. In Jesus' name, amen. Please be seated. As you know, the faculty is doing a series on Thursdays on the patriarchs. So therefore, I'm going to ask you to turn to Hebrews 11. (laughs) I'll be reading from Hebrews 11, verse 8. By faith, Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to a place that he was to receive as an inheritance. And he went out, not knowing where he was going. By faith, he went to live in the land of promise, as in a foreign land, living in tents with Isaac and Jacob, heirs with him of the same promise. For he was looking forward to the city that has foundations, whose designer and builder is God. By faith, Sarah herself received power to conceive even when she was past the age, since she considered him faithful, who had promised. Therefore, from one man and him as good as dead were born descendants, as many as the stars of heaven, and as many as innumerable grains of sand by the seashore. All these died in faith, not having received the things promised, but having seen them and greeted them from afar, and having acknowledged that they were strangers and exiles on the earth. For people who speak thus make it clear that they are seeking a homeland. If they had been thinking of that land from which they had gone out, they would have had opportunity to return. But as it were, they desire a better country, that is, a heavenly one. Therefore God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared for them a city. Sends a reading of God's holy word. Well, you know, that's one of my favorite passages in Hebrews. I seem to gravitate to that in my classes, Greek 2, Greek 1, Greek (laughs) 4, and even in uh, General Epistles and Revelation, where we study Hebrews quite a bit. But uh, this is a good excuse to uh, remind you of something that you see in this passage that will help us in our uh, meditation this semester on the patriarchs. Um, I actually was scheduled to uh, speak earlier in the semester, so kind of setting the scene for the faculty series, but I you know, had to change with one of my colleagues who was gone at a certain point. So uh, there's, there's one, there are actually two things here that I will remind you of that we just read that I want you to keep in mind when you're reflecting upon how the faculty is interpreting these passages from Genesis in particular on the patriarchs, and that is you see their faith by what they say and what they do. 
and so in the narrative, historical narrative of Genesis, it often will not talk about people's faith kind of overtly. You get that, of course, with Abraham. He believed God and it was reckoned to him as righteousness. But in um, the narrative of Genesis, our author says, look, you, you know what they believed. Notice he just says, by faith, by faith, by faith. You know that this was by faith because they confessed this. This is their profession of faith. And so you know that it was a, an expression of faith when they say this, because that is faith to say that. Uh, so he, he makes that clear. But also you have this verse 15 in our passage. If they had been thinking of that land from which they had gone out, they would have had opportunity to return. Now that's action. He says, look, if, if, if you want to know what they were thinking, when, when Abraham gets the land promise, if you want to know what he was thinking about by the fact that God made him wait and even revealed to him that he personally would not inherit this land, it would be his descendants down the road, what is he thinking about with that? Well, our author says, well, you know what he was thinking by what he did. You see, Abraham could have heard that promise Oh, I'm going to give you this land. Oh, but I'm not going to give it to you. It's for your descendants. Abraham could have turned around and marched back and said, well, I'm going to worship a God that's going to give me what I want. He makes these promises and then he withholds it and makes me, you know, wander around in tents, which is not a particularly safe way to live. It's not safe at all in that region at that time. And not particularly a happy, you know, it's not, it's not like a camp out, okay? <laughs> Living in tents permanently is not, you know, it's okay for a couple of days for fun, but then it's over with and you go home and, you know, in your home you're protected from wild animals. It's interesting how you hear in the Old Testament, you know, the haunt of jackals. I don't think I'd want to face a jackal if I'm living in a tent. Uh, honestly, I mean, this is, this is serious stuff. So uh, you, you see what Abraham believed by what he did. Well, this is a uh, series on the patriarchs, and so I'm going to show my true colors, and we're going to talk about Sarah. <laughs> the matriarch, because she's included here in verse 11. Now, here's where, and I pointed this out already in Greek, but I want you to see this in verse 11. Let me read it again. By faith, Sarah herself received power to conceive even when she was past the age, since she considered him faithful who had promised. That's the English Standard Version, and the NIV currently is very similar to that. But here's what the NIV originally said. By faith, Abraham, when though he was past age and Sarah herself was barren, wasn't able to become a father because he considered him faithful who had made the promise. In other words, it's interpreted as relating to Abraham and his faith in verse 11 and not Sarah and her faith. Um, now, there's, there's one thing that really speaks to that interpretation. This is kind of the main foundation for that interpretation. This uh, phrase, let me read the ESV again for this phrase in verse 11. Um, never mind. 
They don't even say it. <laughs> and it's, it received power to conceive, but the, um, the phrases became the founder of the seed for the foundation, received power for the foundation of the seed, more wooden rendering of that phrase. And what you read in our main lexicon of Greek on this verse is that that's normally an expression in secular Greek for a man. To found a seed is a reference to a man's involvement in producing a child. And so that's why uh, people interpret that as referring to Abraham. And so then you have to figure out what's going on, what's going on with Sarah there. And uh, you know, I could get into the grammar of this perhaps in another venue, but basically you have to make Sarah, the reference to Sarah kind of stand by itself, uh, which is what the old version of the NIV did. Well, I don't think that's correct myself. I think uh, this phrase became founder of the seed is appropriate for Sarah. Uh, it is actually um, an important part of Sarah's story. The fact that she personally would be the woman from whom uh, the whole line, the seed would come from. It's actually a reference to Eve. Remember the seed of the woman and now Sarah is participating in that promise way back to Eve. Now she's being the founder of this new seed that's going to come forth, the seed of Abraham, but also Sarah. It's interesting that in Genesis 17, um, where the first time you really get a reference to Sarah in her involvement in Abraham's seed, I'll come back to this, where it says, as for, this is Genesis 17, 15. As for Sarai, your wife, you shall call her name Sarah, not, you shall not call her name Sarai, but Sarah shall be your name. I will bless her, and moreover, I will give you a son by her. I will bless her, and she shall become nations. Kings of peoples shall come from her. See, that's the foundation of the seed that Hebrews is referring to, I think. He's interpreting that passage from Genesis 17 is now Sarah's part of the foundation of the seed. And this is why this is so important uh, to look at people's actions um, in the Genesis account, because that's what our author in Hebrews is telling us to do. And that is, when you read Genesis, up until you know Sarah actually has her son, it's very interesting. Well, it's all interesting, obviously, but it's, it's really interesting when you think of this from Sarah's perspective. First of all, the first reference to Sarah is regarding uh, Abraham, his father, moving him from um, a certain place in Ur of the Chaldeans up, in, up into Haran, a different portion of the Middle East. Uh, and then it says in, in Genesis 11, that uh, uh, Abram and his wife Sarai, you know, went. But then in verse 30, so this is Genesis 11:30, kind of out of the blue, interestingly. Uh, they haven't even come down to Canaan yet. Out of the blue it says, here's verse 30 of 
Genesis 11. Now Sarai was barren. She had no child. And you're looking and you're going, why say that? Well, our author of Genesis, you know, is setting us up for the story to follow. But it says, now Sarai was barren. Now, the ESV, for some reason, again, I, I apologize if it seems like I'm criticizing. I'm not trying to, but it's just, I just don't understand it. If you read uh, Hebrews 11.11, 11, it says, by faith, Sarah herself received power. But if you, if you read it, it says, Sarah herself, the barren one. The word barren is not in the translation sometimes. But it's the same word in your Septuagint in Genesis 11.30. Now Sarah was barren, you know, stera. And it's the same word is found in Hebrews 11. You see, Hebrews is reading Genesis in Greek. It's the one he had available to him. And he's picking these words up so that you know what he's looking at. This barren woman. And then it's repeated, you know, she's barren, she's barren, she's barren. But here's the, here's the really interesting thing, I, I find it interesting. And that is, when you're reading Genesis, all the way through Genesis 15, the promise of the seed and the descendants of Abraham always comes to Abraham and there's no mention of Sarah. Uh, Abraham is told, no, you will have a seed. This is a, a huge part of Genesis 15. This is that business where, um, you know, Abraham says, well, how can I inherit this land when I'm childless? So what you, you're talking about a, a descendants. Well, obviously, Eleazar of Damascus is the guy you're talking about. He's a servant in my household. He's going to be my heir. I have no children. Um, no, the Lord says, you go out and count the stars of the heavens, and that's the seed from your own body, you know, are going to be your heirs. But it doesn't say anything about Sarah. You know, you, Abraham, you're going to have this seed. Well, what about Sarah? The next thing that happens, the next thing that happens right after Genesis 15 is Genesis 16. <laughs> I love it to be, I like being right, so <laughs> forgive me if, it's just, particularly when you're dealing with the Old Testament, you know, I like to say things that are just absolutely true. <laughs> More importantly, right at the beginning of Genesis 16, Sarah gives Hagar to Abram and says, as wife, that's stated in there, it says, she didn't just give Hagar to him as a concubine, but as a wife. So now, now Abram has two wives. So that she might gain a seed through Hagar. She might gain a, a son through Hagar. You see, I think Sarah's acting out of faith there. I have to apologize to Sarah. Whenever I read that Hagar episode, I thought, you know, she's not really doing the right thing. She's not really acting out of faith. But you know, the Lord hasn't told her or Abraham about her that she would be the mother. That's Genesis 17. 
In Genesis 16, up until that point, all we know is that she's barren. And that several times Abram has learned that he will father a child, particularly right there in 15. And then the next thing, Sarah gives Hagar to Abram. Now, it was not the way the Lord was going to bring the seed to Abram. We, we know that, right? We go to, now we go to Galatians 4 and we see. Because the Lord was not going to bring a child, a son, to Abram through human means. He made them wait so that they would see that he's going to provide. He's going to provide for Abram and Sarai. He's going to bring this promised seed in their old age beyond the time of bearing. And that's what she should have known because you have this waiting to inherit the land and they didn't go back. You know, for that reason, frankly, I read Sarah in Genesis 16 much more sympathetically now that she just doesn't know how she's going to be involved and maybe she's going to have this son through Hagar. Maybe that's what the Lord intends. It, it's a reasonable thought, even though it turns out it's not the way the Lord would bring this to pass. And right after that, the Lord doesn't bring a child to Sarah. You know, you get this promise in 17 but it's really down the road. Later on, you have these angels appearing to, one of them's the Lord, appearing to Abram and saying, no, I mean, a year from now, I will come back and Sarah will have a child. So you have to wait longer. More waiting. More waiting for this son. And she's in her 90s. But then she has a son and she laughs. And she says, People will read about this and they will laugh with me. They'll laugh over me, but that's okay, I'm laughing too. Laughing with joy, laughing in faith, laughing to see how the Lord brings this about because she's a woman of faith. In 1 Peter, she's called one of the holy women. She's one of the holy ones. Despite her, you know, hiccup there in Genesis 16, again, which I am much more sympathetic about, you know why? We do that sort of thing. We do that sort of thing. We fail the Lord. Our faith seems to waver even when we believe. We don't have the strongest faith in the world, and we have much more foundation for our faith than Sarah ever did. But look at the Lord's judgment about Sarah. You see, the Lord has a judgment of charity toward Sarah in Hebrews 11, 11. By faith, Sarah, believe the one who made the promise, and she's one of us. She's this woman who is strong in faith because she hoped in that city, not made by hands, a heavenly one that God has for us all. That we will join Sarah in heaven and laugh with her because she's one of our people. And we are hers. We are her children spiritually. A woman of faith. So that's our meditation today. Let us pray. 
O Lord, may you have this judgment of charity toward us as well. For we fail you many times, and we are weak in our faith, but we're also children of Sarah. By your grace, by the faith that you've given us, by the hope that you've implanted in us, in this city not made by hands that you've prepared for all of your people that will last forever. Grant us, O Lord, perseverance, confidence, and joyful praise of you through our lives like Sarah. We pray in Christ's name. Amen. Copyright 2018, Westminster Seminary, California. All rights reserved. You are permitted to reproduce and distribute this material in any format, provided that you do not alter the wording in any way, and that you do not charge a fee beyond the cost of reproduction. For web posting, a link to this document on our website is preferred.